the early 21st century, magic reawakened on Earth, and alongside it, a new human race with orcs, elves, trolls, dwarves, and others. Humanity became meta-humanity. As technology proliferated and greatly advanced in the awakened world, global megacorporations seized ever more power, becoming de facto states with their own laws, courts, and armed forces. The corporations attempt to control all aspects of modern life. This has led to a vast and complex criminal underground which works for and against corporate interests. The independent career criminals who do what others can't or won't are called shadow runners. The year is 2101. Welcome to Fun City. This episode of Fun City contains descriptions of police violence, the use of firearms, a rioting crowd, and one scene of gruesome violence. Previously on Fun City, the team is hired by Mo Ashina of Combinatorial Limited, a consortium of corporations, to frame NYPD Incorporated PBA bureaucrat Vern Salix for fraternizing with New York's criminal element. This in an attempt to halt a strike he is allegedly architecting due to the city's lackluster investment in NYPD Incorporated. Combinatorial has fabricated incriminating footage, but to pass muster, it must include biometric metadata of Vern's giant troll body. Body. Mo Ashina says he'll be most vulnerable at the forthcoming International Policing and Security Professionals Trade and Labor Consortium Annual Exposition. In the intervening day, the team tails Vern looking for clues to lure him into a full 3D body scan. Lux in the Police Athletic League comes face to terrifying face with Vern, who comlinks him two invites to the conference in apology for a violent misunderstanding. Meanwhile, Lash and TK infiltrate Vern's apartment and find the Honey Jackpot, Vern's adorable miniature town, a painstaking recreation of his bucolic Bavarian homeland. We join the team now, having just returned from their tale to the kitchen of the Mrs. Egg, as Lux attempts to con more passes out of Vern via comlink, and they finalize the details of their ruse. So, just send him a short message, being like, thanks so much. I'm really, really excited. Um, you can imagine the CD doesn't get invited to a lot of things, credit department. And so I have a couple of uh, others who are, you know, excited as well. They would love to go if you could if you could spare two more passes. Not, that's okay. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Message sent. sent. Was that a voicemail? <laughs> okay. Oh, no, that was just a little comlink um, message. An animoji. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you as a beaver. Yes. Speaking this message. <laughs> yes. All of the messages. To one of the top bureaucrats of the NYPD Incorporated. Yes. Look, man, shoot your shot. Yeah. CD doesn't get invited a yeah. bunch. Yeah. We got it. We, we, we want to go. You got to charm them. Yeah. I love an emoji because it's voicemail you have to look at. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, I'm going to let you play out. Like, you know, Vern, Vern gets a message and, uh, and the text reads as described by Lux. Uh-huh. Almost immediately you receive a reply. Uh, it is a message with no text in the subject or body, simply a file attached, and that file is two more passes. TK does that thing he does. <clears throat> He's like, hacker voice. I'm in. So is the idea that we're all going to go and will we have the equipment? You're, we're your friends in the critter division? We're technicians. We look technical. And we just happen to have this device on us. 
I think we're all in the critter department. We know how to make we know how to make perfect replicas of the critters that stu- we uh, take care of. We're studying and, them, right? We got to we got to know. We how have they... the and we have the equipment to do that on our on us at all times. Yeah, and we're we're almost there, and we're like we're yeah. hoping to meet other people in. Would there be out of towners maybe there? Out oh, of yeah. towner yeah, critter yeah. department. But I mean, think about it, right? You know, like people? we want to we want to pick up some new skills. Yeah, you know, the critter department <laughs> needs to like we need to share knowledge with it because there's got to yeah. be a panel about you got to network, you got to knowledge share, right? Yeah. And and there's got to be a panel that's like, hey, critter division people, how to like accurately model your, your critters to yeah. forecast their behavior, right? Like, it's got to be. We're like those people who go to conferences who aren't signed up to be like a panelist or mm-hmm. like to be a venue, you know, a, like a little a table, yeah. but they come with like cards yes. and shit. They and they're come just to like, network. And they just are <laughs> talking to everyone like, I got this thing going on and yeah, this the, is that's great. Us. The big yeah. CD, NYCD. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm into that role. NYCCD. Yeah. Are we saying that the nuggles that I have are replicas? Yes. We're saying the nuggles you have are not created by magic. They're created by these three uh, these three scanners that scan the live knuckles that we deal with, so that we can have accurate like replicas that we could study the behavior. We can ha- we can have them on hand. We love them. What we could do because we will get data from these scanners, right? So what we could do is you know tell them it's gonna look like this, but here's what we have right now, and then like you know put him in a little replica of a Germantown virtually in the Matrix that he like sees himself walking around in based on the data that we just got from him. I would say that if you wanted to spend... But it's like proof of concept. ...a number of hours between now and then coding up a little thing, yeah, like I an think... environment, you know, like you open up Unity and sort of exactly. start to put but together exact, a little... That's exactly what I'm thinking, because I, I mean, I, f- I feel like, you know, he's going to want to see something for why he just got scanned, and it can't... I mean, it can just be, like, a tiny creature, because that's fucking... Cr- that's that's crazy. That's cool. That's a great idea, though. Yeah. It's like, here's all the data we got. We're not... We're being transparent. We're using this. Like... Instead of doing a little town, why don't we just do forest area, because... That's where we're from, kind of. I think it would be too on the nose for a little town. What about a little town in a forest area? Like yeah. you come across like yeah, a couple yeah. huts. That's cute. That's a small village. I perhaps. like that. You want to roll that up? Do, yeah, do yeah, a yeah. roll for that right now. I, I got computer hardware, software. I but... would, I would just call it software. Do you want me to assist? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Because I have software, but my specialization is data bombs, which is not what we need here. Not even close. I'm going to say that this is reasonably close to like coding a video game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's it's just a proof of concept to have to show him what we're doing with his data, even though that's not what we're doing with his data. Two. I'm going to roll logic plus... I'm going to say at one success, you make a wireframe that Mm -hmm. isn't impressive. And like if you squint, looks like a town and a forest. At two, it has really bad, like like low poly poly textures. Yeah. At three, it starts to actually have shape and color. Oh, boy. And four and above, it just looks increasingly realistic. All right, let's see what happens. Two. It looks, I mean, <laughs> this might work in your favor because it looks convincingly in progress. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's just data that we got. It's a random simulation. We just we just decide, like, it's like, oh, yeah, let me, we have, the, like, one scenario. Let's just drop it in and see what happens. So, I mean, I'm going to say this is. I also can't believe it was only two out of ten dice. I'm going to say this is, this is an extended test. You know, this represents you having worked for probably, like, four or five hours just trying to, like, yeah, pull yeah. things together. This is what you got. Does that sound fair? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. But I mean, we still have until tomorrow, so I guess conceivably I could roll once more. If you wanted but. to, if you wanted to, like stay up all night and try to make something Would that get, is, do I get a dice penalty for being tired? Yes. Hmm. I would punish you or a- a- ask you to role play tired. Yeah. If you were to make decisions like you were tired, I would be less okay. inclined to dock your your dice pool. So here's what I'm thinking, like, because this is this is all happening during the day, the, the half day that we have, right? 
You're yeah. So right now, so we have half a day left. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna go with the wire, the fucking polygons, whatever. But are you gonna actually take data from the scanner? Yeah, yourself. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't because it, it's supposed to be very high resolution, if I recall correctly. Correct. Nano. So it should be it should be like, it should be extremely detailed. The environment is the low poly part, right? It's just like this is just a 3D. So your your plan hinges on this guy's secret desire being to own a tiny robot of himself. My man, this is extremely Freudian. Lacanian? Lacanian. Don't yep. do this. <laughs> Don't do this. The tiny robot face comes after Mirror. Uh, yeah, right. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so our goal going to the NYPD conference is to get Vern alone, either before or after his talk. We haven't decided that yet. Uh, we'll see when we get there. Uh, we want to tell him about our very special critter technology, how it works, and hopefully he'll be excited that we are trying to document the critters that we work with. And so we take 3D scans of them in real life so that we can study them uh, and how they behave as little AI robots. And uh, Which is a bunch of bullshit. Which is totally made up. But we also hope that excites him and he wants to try it and that in however many hours we could promise to deliver it, we can scan him and send him along his own thing that he can use for his own purposes. But after we take a scan, we want to show him a proof of concept of his image in something that TK, in an environment that TK is uh, quickly building. Very quickly. It'll be helpful also to maybe try to get some security away from him if we find the opportunities to do that, because the less security that's around him, more likely that you he like can't kind of get away from us. There is one other thing that I wanted to invite both you as players and you as your characters to deliberate upon before you take your final action in the heist, which is um, to consider the moral dimension of what you're doing, which none of you have really talked about. You are being hired by a consortium of global megacorporations to essentially prevent a strike by blackmailing a bureaucrat who runs a union. But it's a private police force union. It's it's cops. I don't I don't feel that. I don't feel that bad. Viv just likes money. TK is a TK is a cab all the way. All right. I think that there's something fishy about Vern. Um, I think because he's so like high security and he's like anxious. There's just like rumblings of things surrounding him. I just get a read of and and Lash loves everyone, but Lash gets a read on Vern that like maybe there's something fucked up about him. From what you've heard so far, you just don't trust him. I don't trust him. I don't trust that his like intentions are pure with what he's doing. I don't trust him either. The team heads early to bed and rises before dawn the next morning to begin preparation. TK spends a few more hours on his 3D environment and manages to improve it marginally. Viv, on the roof of the Mirage, summons this time a single Nuggle, a small, humped horse shape that she sequesters in its liquid form within her up hairdo. Lash considers compiling a sprite, but spends her time instead looking out at the water of the Hudson River, wondering, how is it that birds float exactly? The team rides Henley the Bentley just a few blocks north and parks at a safe distance to walk the remaining span. Approaching the Javits-Bloomberg Convention Center, they first hear the roar of voices and finally see 
a throng of protesters. Here, for the International Policing and Security Professionals Trade and Labor Consortium Annual Exposition. There are signs with pigs in police helmets and signs demanding justice for a recent spate of deaths that happened while corporate citizens were in police custody. A few signs read, Corporate citizens are citizens. One reads, Humans, colon, not a resource. There's a pathway cleared through the crowd, and as the team walks it, they get closer to the front of the mass, closer to the convention center. They reach the more vehement protesters who have been here for who knows how long. Red in the face, pointing accusatorially, shouting at the nearby police and everyone entering the conference. One of them holds a sign on a large e-paper poster that reads in spiky red animated text, Safety is a public good. They're hemmed in well by a combination of crowd control barriers, NYPD incorporated officers, and the NYPD reserve security force in full riot gear. And in a cordoned off zone between the protesters and the center sits a single monolithic jet black mobile command center, a bus-like vehicle clad with armor plating and lucite windows, festooned with all kinds of antennae, surveillance technology, and a scrolling LED sign wishing everyone a good expo. There are four outrigger arms with big circular pads cementing it in place. As is usually the case in New York City, there are only a very few officers with guns in sight. They're large shotguns, likely loaded with gel rounds, allegedly non-lethal slugs of disabling goo, and stickin' shocks, rounds which launch a star-shaped adhesive and electrified doohickey at their target. Some officers have tear gas canisters, some have pepper punch guns, some tasers. A few drones hover overhead. You guys want to ask what these demonstrators are specifically? I think you guys you guys would probably roughly get from what you've seen so far mm. um, that this is related to a set of people who were allegedly taken into custody by NYPD Incorporated and were put in one of their like holding centers, essentially, and that those people mysteriously died and that NYPD Incorporated has essentially skated any responsibility for these deaths. And they were all corporate citizens, which means that they were not you know, they lived in New York City, but they are citizens of the corporations that they work for. Uh, so they were, you know, as technology citizens, they were um, EVO citizens. There's a little bit of a tension there of like, are those people being treated worse off by the NYPD Incorporated than someone who has a national sin, as it were, whereas they have corporate sins. They have corporate identities as opposed to national identities. 
Does the police union have anything to do this? Are they making any demands from the police union or is this kind of just an unconnected thing? And As and far as just... you know, yeah, as far as you know, this is like a oh. unconnected, yeah. Sure. TK does a matrix search to see what, if any, response the corporations had to their citizens being killed. You can't find anything like on the public grid that's a statement other than basically lockstep support of NYPD Incorporated from the corporations saying like, clearly the NYPD did their best, acted in our best interest, acted in their best interest, and sort of alluding to that these citizens were probably drug addicts or they were drunk or, you know, it was it was their own fault um, and that they still implicitly trust NYPD Incorporated and have no intention of canceling any of their contracts. And this is the thing that like all of the corporations in the city have security contracts with NYPD Incorporated. Got it. Mo, this was a, Mo Ashna, I think, talked to you guys about mm-hmm. this, right? Like, yeah, yeah, great. TK feels marginally less bad about this. Well, she didn't feel bad at all before, but he feels less bad Less now. bad. At this point, you are essentially at the front door of the Javits Bloomberg Center, and you can see just past the front door is something you are well familiar with at this point, the Mad Scanner, and a bunch of security personnel. I, don't, I mean, do you guys have any any weapons? No, I was going to say, you said there's a big, like, security van out front? Yeah. I was going to say, do we want to do, like, a matrix perception test just to see what kind of stuff is in that security van? Yeah, we. I mean, we could do that. Um, I mean, we're supposed to be here, right? Like, we have passes. We're official enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what are you guys wearing? I, based on my searches of the Critter Vision, there's a little bit more of a pencil pusher, a kind of a nerd pocket protector kind of vibe to the ones in the office and a little bit of Boy Scout to the people that go out. So, you know, because we're not going out into the wilderness, we don't need to be in full kit. That's wilderness. So we we're kind of just in general, you know, business casual kind of uh, Lux is still in a suit, but it's his least nice suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> TK has borrowed another one of Lux's suits. This is the slightly nicer suit, but he's he's uh, traded the tie for an ascot. Viv had gathered the material of her caftan uh, to make her look like she was wearing more of a, a smart dress, more of a pencil-y situation, and she's wrapped her hair up into a, a beehive. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself an edge, please. Thank you. Lash is wearing black cargo pants and uh, a t-shirt. Very basic. Kind of, kind of. Maybe you blend in the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> TK has uh, he's he's stored a, a ta- like some tactical gear in his arm, just like tactical clothing. He's got like a he's got like a tactical shirt just shoved into one of his arm <laughs> compartments. Yeah. And and the uh, fatigues. <laughs> like you have some tactical socks just balled up in your wrist. Yes, sure, absolutely. Because I mean, the, there's usually combat axe in there, which he cannot bring into mm. the. Just in case. Are you saying you have a t-shirt gun? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not not saying that. So as you guys approach, as you enter, before you hit the mad scanner, there are a bunch of things that you notice. You see the amount of NYPD reserve security personnel. You see the mad scanner. There is a flow of people in and out. It's very crowded. There are a lot of people here. Um, And actually, I think that there is some calm that you feel in this, that there's no way for you to stand out because unless someone is trying, there's no way for anybody to stand out here. It's really crowded. There are a lot of people focused on all the things that are happening. As you 
enter, you know, this room is huge. It's very, very tall. Um, it's, you know, 100 feet tall and probably the length of a football field or so um, in front of you. This sort of like welcoming expo center kind of feel. There's all of these stand-ups with various products. You know, you see people trying to hawk and demonstrate things. People shaking hands and hugging and like, you know, catching up. You see there are actually a bunch of uh, wacky, wavable, inflatable, arm-flailing tube men uh, lining the entryway as you enter, and they are dressed like NYPD Incorporated officers, complete with patrolman hats. Mm. Yeah. And you notice that all of the windows at the far end of this portion of the expo of the entryway um, have been blocked out with a giant advertisement for a new kind of handcuff that claim. <laughs> Sorry. That claims to be able to withstand the strength of even the angriest troll. And there is, in fact, a photo of an upset-looking troll wearing these massive handcuffs being put into the back of a cruiser by a very smug-looking human police officer. And, you know, it's got, it's just, it's, yeah. You're all making you're all making upset faces, which makes me think I'm I'm just gonna stop describing it. My job here is done. <laughs> we have to act like cops, remember? <laughs> yeah. So the first thing that you have to do, um, there is someone who is standing immediately on the other side of the door who wants to scan your passes for you to get into the building. I assume all of you present your comm links without, yeah, okay, you all get through. Um, there isn't even a role associated with this because these are legitimate passes. Congratulations. <laughs> you have been granted entry. There are two mad scanners in front of you and they are lined on either side by police officers with rifles. And these are the first two actual bullet-carrying munitions, firearms, that you've seen up until this point. And there is a large array of lockers to the left-hand side if you have anything that you would like to get rid of before going through the scanners. Yeah, I think... You good? I, don't I think we're good. I don't think we brought... I, I didn't brought bring my weapons. weapons. We only yeah, brought just the scanners with us. Between Viv and I, we have enough weapons. You guys just go through? Yep. Okay. Yep. One at a time? Who goes? Who goes first? I'll go first. You go through just fine. You get a polite nod from the guard who's standing there. I'll go next. Okay. You go through, Viv, and as you go through, you notice probably about 12 or 15 paces away, watching the entryway very carefully, a very tall, very skinny and pale man with bright red hair who looks at you and kind of like locks eyes with you for a second. He's wearing this long black coat, uh, and he doesn't move, but he notices you. You notice him. Mm-hmm. Who goes through next? I go through next. One of the officers on the other side puts a firm hand up and says, you got anything funny in that arm? TK pops it open and pulls out a pair of socks. <laughs> <laughs> he is immediately charmed. At, wait, are they tactical socks? TK, like, unrolls them and stretches them a little bit and doesn't break eye contact. Oh, that's my favorite. I love those. And he rolls down. He, like, he lifts his pant leg a little bit, and you can see that he's wearing <laughs> the same pair of socks, just in a different color. Yeah. Uh, TK, he, TK nods and then puts them back in his arm. Yeah, he pats you on the shoulder and is like, have a good, have a good time. Have fun. Have fun. Lux also walks through. As Lux goes through, the tall man comes and approaches Viv, ignores basically everyone else, walks right up to you. Mm-hmm. Ma'am, I'm sorry to bother you. I just wanted to say hello and what a wonderful thing it was to see another member of the Awakened Society here among the Force. My pleasure. And Viv offers her hand 
like in the past, like not for a handshake, but for a finger tickle. She, she just offers her hand. It's just Catherine O'Hara, Critters Division. Um, I wasn't aware that the Critters Division had Awakened members in it. I'm fairly new. Well, I'm fairly old, and it's great to see more people like us. And he winks at you around this place. You are sort of suddenly struck by a couple things. This guy is, now that he's standing close to you, he's really tall. He's like weirdly tall, but also weirdly skinny for how tall he is. Like, <laughs> like he would, he seemingly would blow away in a strong wind, but doesn't have the attitude or countenance of, of people who tend to be that frame. He's also got, it's like his skin has been pulled tight around his bones everywhere except for his face. He's got these really boyish features. It's almost like his face doesn't match the rest of his body. He's got these also like really dull gray eyes. They're, I think you could maybe describe them as spooky. They're like sort of spooky. Yeah, um, sure. And as he's talking, they're like darting around. You can see that he's, you know, he's focused on you, but like he's paying attention to the people who are coming in through the mad scanner. He's watching people as they walk away. He's sort of trying to keep tabs on things. He's wearing all black. You also notice he's got two rings uh, on either of his pinkies. One is bright silver and one is silver and glows red. And as he moves his hands around as he's talking to you, you swear it, like, kind of leaves a little, like, red trail. I'm sorry, what was your name? Holbrook. My name is Cairn Holbrook. Cairn. Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Catherine. He sort of motions for you to, like, walk and talk with him as he follows you and the group in. So tell me, what's your, um... I'm sorry if this is rude to ask, but, uh, what's your tradition? Oh, I'm a... I'm a chaotic mage. Wow, no kidding. I don't rely on spells or wands or things like that. I like to touch nature. Sounds perfect for the Critter Division. Exactly. Well, it's just great to have you here. You know, we just don't see enough of us. What department are you in? Oh, I'm not allowed to talk about that while I'm on the job, but you can imagine. And he gestures back to the group of security people that he was sort of standing with. Ah, I see. I should leave you to it. Well, we'll be seeing you. Absolutely. He just kind of stop like as you guys are walking when he says we'll be seeing you he just stops walking and just waits for you to walk away from him and uh viv waits until they're like 20 feet away oh he's watching us <laughs> <laughs> stage whisper <laughs> luck says oh look Catherine, there's those drinks you like and i um kind of gesture viv to follow me further away from him um, so that I could speak with her. Um, do you guys follow us? So yeah. you could hear as well. Um, Although so TK is I, privately jealous that he wasn't clocked as awakened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they know who has the tactical, tactical socks in his arm. So uh, I say, I don't think you're going to be able to approach um, Vern with us. But on my signal, uh, I'll say sugar, and you'll be able to hear me in the comm link. Um, if you could just have your spirit go up to him and like try to nuzzle on his legs and stuff like that. Yes. Um, that would be a, that might be a good opening way for us to start talking about this miniature thing. That and then it'll give us a way in to actually explain how it was made. So right. keep in mind that yes. we have three services. Yes. The first of which is materialization. Okay. So we need to materialize we, it uh, first. We have two more after that. So we're going to use one, which is movement to okay. follow you. And, and the third will be nuzzle his legs. No, I think movement can be um, okay. part Sorry. of it. We'll just remember that we have one more. 
I don't know. know. Nuzzle is a big ass. You guys have a map of the conference, and you have a layout of Solix's schedule. You know when he's going to be arriving. It seems likely that, um, based upon what you have, he's already in the building making his way to where his talk is. You would know how to get there pretty quickly. Is there anything that you want to do? You can see that there's a bunch of talks in all kinds of places on this and that, on police enforcement techniques, on new gear, on um, public relations, on community board management. Um, there's also an expo floor with all kinds of uh, goodies and exhibitors if you want to see any of the cutting edge NYPD incorporated technology. Uh, or you can just make your way to the room that Salix is going to be giving a speech in. I know we need to be making our way to the room, but I saw a sign that says if you speak to three vendors and you get your your mm-hmm. card punch, then you get to spin the wheel. And one of the prizes is a cruise with the Baja men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Baja men, that's a tradition. Excuse yeah. me? Uh, who are they? Who? The Baja men. It's a, it's a religion, right? Yeah, it's a religion. Yeah. It's been going on for hundreds of years. <laughs> hundreds of years. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, the Baja men. Yeah. The Baja men. Yeah, right. and I think I've never been on a cruise. Okay. Well, yeah, let's go check out some booths and get some signatures then. Uh, well, <laughs> we should not do that. And uh, TK points to the schedule. Oh, uh, wait. How much time do we have until the, his speech? I was gonna say we we don't have that much time. I think I think he has a pretty tight schedule. I don't think we have time to see the bah- Bahamin. Right. Let me just ask the universe real quick. How long we have? I think until... that's just called looking at your watch. <laughs> yes, that's what I call looking at my watch. <laughs> How long we have until his speech? Uh, his talk will begin in twenty minutes. Okay. And it is scheduled to last for forty-five. So you have about you have you know if you want to talk to him as soon as he's done, we'll say you have roughly an hour. Um, unless you want to see all of his talk. We should see some of his talk. We should probably be Try at to the front row of his get his, his talk. attention, exactly. Let's go to a nice talk. Let's go to the talks. Ooh, it's me, Taylor Moore, taking a break from playing all your favorite villains and rascals to remind you about Shaker and Spoon. It's a cocktail ingredient subscription box for $40 to $50 a month. Every month, they send you a box of everything you need. You just add liquor, and you can make 12 incredible cocktails. We've tried it here in the studio, and it is the real deal. This is high-level stuff. And if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash funcity, you get $20 off your first month and you can cancel any time. If you, like me, like to have a drink or the, hey, the holidays are coming up, if you know someone who would like this, now's the time. Shakerandspoon.com slash funcity. Cheers. So you run through or you, you know, quick, quickly walk, scurry through the, the expo floor and you get to a winding set of hallways. You follow the map and get to this very nondescript room where you walk in. And this is a very sparsely attended talk. 
Solix's talk is about negotiation techniques when dealing with large-scale, long-term contracts with private contractors when you are um, considered a, uh, a public organization and the tricky political situation that NYPD Incorporated specifically is in taking private contracts and how he uh, tries to think about how to advocate for the people who he represents uh, to the people that they have contracts with. There's maybe... 10 people here scattered throughout a room that could hold 150 people. There is no visuals. It is just Solix um, standing behind a normal size podium. He barely fits behind it. It's like a Lincoln log in front of this man. It's like it looks like nothing. He towers over it and has to hunch over a little bit to read his notes. And yeah, you're in there. No one pays you any mind as you quietly enter through the back door. Uh, the people who are in there are either zoning off, looking at their comlinks, or enraptured by what Salex is saying. I walk up to the front row and uh, take out a little note, apartment-issued notebook and start scribbling notes. Um, a fake department-issued notebook. A fake department-issued notebook and start scribbling notes. We follow along. Yeah, we sit down in a row. So to sum up, <laughs> although we are surrounded by all of this technology, it is, of course, the truth that uh, all the old ways are the best. Um, solidarity, sticking together... <laughs> <laughs> just thought I'd throw you in the deep end and see what happens I like it we'll, we'll write something for you that you can do later wow. great I mean, yeah. you have to keep that you got back. a little bit uh, yeah. mm -mm. so to sum up <laughs> great that's great yeah, way so, uh, to sum up monotone even though we are surrounded by all this new technology and processes the old ways are of course the best teamwork solidarity <laughs> That was a little French. You know why? It's because it's a French word. I, it's hard to say. Uh, Fra fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baguette. <laughs> the old ways are best. Filling out the right paperwork, sticking together the basic premises and promises of trade unionism. These are all the things we must use today, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you for having me. I do not, unfortunately, have time to take any questions at this moment. Please, uh, you can send me on any social media platform and I will ask. Lash shoots her hand up. <laughs> there is no applause except for Lux is the only person applauding. Most people who are in the room, uh, some of them are completely motionless as they continue to check their comms, but most people just stand up and leave, start heading towards the door. What you see is a back door open on the other side of the dais and two security guards, two human security guards in the standard complement, um, you know, holding two batons and with some tasers uh, on their belts, uh, come out and start walking towards Salex uh, as he crosses the dais and starts walking towards them to go into the back back hallways uh, to exit the conference center. Uh, Lux bounces up and goes, oh, Vern, Vern, thank you so much. That was so incredible. Uh, he flinches. Yeah. Uh, you scare him. Uh, and he flinches. And the two security guards see this, and they sort of go for their batons uh, on their belt. Uh, and then, then he very quickly sees you, and he he's recognizes as, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I We met um, GG, at the, GG. Uh, we met at the... <laughs> The uh, gym. And we met as a, as a yes. police gym, yes. You can tell that actually you approaching him qu quickly, has a, he's like a, a little nervous. Like he's sort of heaving a little bit, <laughs> like dabs his brow. Vern, 
Oh my God, what you said about solidarity and togetherness. I mean, it, for me, it was sweet as sugar. Well, I'm so. I'm, sugar? It was sweet as sugar. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Me, meanwhile, Viv touches the ground a little bit to materialize the, the nuggle. And uh, as its first service, which is materialization, uh, its second service will be movement toward Vern. And so the little uh, nuggle trots over and gives a neigh of warning, but starts uh, trotting very cutely towards his shoes. Still on high alert, the two security guards who are with Vern see this animal approach and they keep their hands on their tasers that they went for when Lux approached. Um, and one of them shouts, what is that? Oh, no, she got loose. <laughs> oh, she got loose. She got loose. Look at that little one go. Uh, they, are, they are, you can see, even though they're wearing visors, very confused. It's like the Judge Dredd face, you know, like a grimace. They're very confused about what's happening. I'm sorry. This is one of our little mini reps. Uh, it's a mini replica. <laughs> we, uh, we need to make them for our department. Apartment. We could basically miniaturize anything. So this is actually a <laughs> miniature uh, full horse. I don't know how it got out. Uh <laughs> I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Sometimes they have a mind of their own. Mr. Solix, we don't have time for this. You have to get in your car. It's time for you to go. <laughs> Wait, hold on one second. This is a little... What is this? It is a replica of a humped horse. One of the a what? A humped horse. It's one of the critters that we document and research in our division. Oh, oh right. Oh. You're from the critter division. Yeah. yeah. A humped horse is about seven feet tall, so obviously we can't uh, study those and everything. But, if you know, a couple quick scans and we actually can make perfect replicas. He of bends over anything. and picks it up off yeah. the ground. Uh, yeah. Does does he? He can. I, yeah. Okay. Um, it feels in his hands like a tiny horse. <laughs> That's such a fun thing to think about. Oh my goodness, what a gift. Thank you. Me, Taylor, I love that. What a fun fucking thing to think about. I'm holding my hand out and thinking about it right now, and I'm so happy. <laughs> thinking about a time, you can feel, think about it, you can feel the little yeah. four hooves on yeah. your palm if you think about it. <clears throat> So would you rather fight a thousand of those or a big chicken? <laughs> it's a little joke. Uh, I would never fight a thousand of these. <laughs> this oh, is lovely. Do you want to meet the man who created it? Barney, get over here. <laughs> TK walks up. He just pauses. Hello. Hello. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, I have I have a thousand questions for you, Mr. Uh, Solix. I don't I don't want to I don't want to cause any trouble. But you have to. The room has to be cleared within the next two minutes. I'm getting the high sign, and you look and you turn around, and there's someone there wearing a suit, making the big wrap it up. I He's have like, to run to get. <clears throat> I have to run and um, catch my ride. Will you? What, will you walk with me? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Come, just this way, Mr. Solix. This is highly unusual. You're gonna let them into the. Calm down. I can't talk to the people with the tiny horses. The two security guards look at one another and look up at Vern Solix, uh, who towers above them. <laughs> and they just sort of like part a little bit uh, as if to suggest that you can all pass through. Uh, Thank you. TK takes the lead. Actually, will you go and just meet us at the car? Are you dismissing us? I just need to walk down this hallway. Can I have some privacy, please? This is highly unusual. Is this someone else you're taking the orders from? <laughs> Jesus. They both look at one another, and uh, the other guy, uh, who hasn't been talking, says, we have to go through the passageway. Let us go ahead of you. Yes, but go far enough so I can have a private conversation with my new friends here. They leave, they exit the rear door, uh, and they're out of sight. And so now we can just go in the back? Yeah, if you go in the back, yeah, you might may, may see them, like, you know, 
20 paces away and retreating from you, but they're not going to hang out. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, Lux very quickly glances around to make sure that uh, that other uh, the other magic user isn't around to look at Viv to see if Viv is there, because that's the only thing that could blow her cover at this point. The tall, skinny, creepy guy? The tall, guy? skinny, creepy guy you with the red not, hair? Okay, you, great. You do not see him. Great. So now he gestures and like takes yeah. you into the back hallway and kind of starts walking briskly towards, uh, like, now, like, so the back hallways are just like, you know, the back hallways of any, like, theater stage conference center, sort of like you utility, uh, brightly lit white fluorescent lights. Uh, just sort of, there's a bunch of cables and like pipes above. Uh, just one of these utility hallways and off the sides like a little green room, off the sides like a janitorial thing. There's like a little server room or whatever, a node or whatever. And he's just sort of walking down. There's sort of a it's labyrinthine, but there's an obvious path. There's, you know, signs that point to the exit. He's walking and talking to you at the same time. This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it, we used to spend millions of New Yen on actual live scenarios in which we would be capturing live animals and studying them. And while it wasn't cheap, um, we were lucky enough to find Barney over here who actually created something pretty special. Anyway, I want to talk about that talk. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I mean, we can talk about the talk anytime. You uh, can just read my blog. Okay. Um, oh, I, I, you're interested in these little miniatures? Blogs? No, the miniature? The miniatures? Oh, this is great. Oh, okay. I actually love miniatures. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. We could make you one. Oh, uh, well. I didn't even think of that. That's... You, yeah, we'd love to. You gave us the tickets. We have, we have to make yeah, you one. Yeah, we, we have why to didn't make you him one. think of that? I you should, you should have thought of that. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm so buying, sorry. We didn't say it sooner. It's okay. I, yeah. I require. <laughs> I do not require. <laughs> Fuck that damn! How do German people say all these words? <laughs> <laughs> do you need the Werner? <laughs> no, I'm be fine. I don't require any sort of gift in exchange for the tickets. Ticket. TK already has the baton out. Do you Take want? a stick out? No, the, no, no, the, the scanner. scanner. I don't tell me. <laughs> it's like, what does it look like? It's, it looks like a stick, right? Like just a stick? It looks really fancy. It's like a fancy stick, but it's a stick. The 3D scanner? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a long... It's like a wand. Very attractive looking, yeah, like well-machined silver thing with a long oblong lens on it and a Whoa. and a handle. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's a baton. Oh, please, yeah. no photographs, please, no. I um, would love one of these this tiny is how horses. We do it. This is how we do it. This is how we make the horses. Oh, if you'd like to send me one of these horses, I'd be so appreciative. I think it's wonderful. Um, I, I'll email you a P.O. box I use for receiving absolutely, gifts absolutely. and uh, packages. And oh, I thought you were asking for a little replica of yourself. You know that we could make one of those for you. So you can make a small miniature version of me and yeah. it moves? Yes. yes. Yeah, Lash, that's what you were suggesting because... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, th I thought that was obvious. Yeah, yeah, we could, make, we could get the scans right now and we could have that to you by next week. Yeah. I could show you. Oh, yeah, he could actually show you. We have the, we have the man here. Oh, you wouldn't want me to do it for you. It would come out looking like... <laughs> I remember last time <laughs> oh, you like, did it. It looked like Santa Claus You're mixed with a gremlin, and I don't want to talk about it. All right, Barney is good. So okay, he's going to get... It'll it. be perfect. Oh, my God. TK, TK's been trying to do what he sees Lux do, which is, like, act and maintain character, and he's trying to do a monotone, but he's really, like... He, he, he's very excited about how this <laughs> heist is going. <laughs> so it's, it's cracking. I feel that um, in the short time we have been talking to one another, we have a, grown a sort of rapport. Yeah, yeah. And so I, what I ask you now, I ask you as a friend. Sure. Please do not tell anyone about these conversations that we're having. Oh. What conversation? Yeah, I, I would He kind of taps his 
nose and you actually hear a thunk thunk. <laughs> it's a nose the size of a basketball. Yeah. It's extremely empty. He maintains it. It's like two djembes <laughs> up there on his face. Uh, gunk, 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 gunk. And he says, uh, yes, I'd very much like to see more of this, please. Uh, may I? And uh, Viv opens her hands for the little horse so that uh, TK can do his thing. Uh, hold still, please. Uh, so yeah, we, we has it's the the wand, the baton, the and then there's an iris thing and a hand thing. Mm-hmm. So TK just grabs his hand, Solix's hand, puts that on the puts his thumb on the scanner or his hand. I guess it's a full hand thing. It's got like a, a single big pad. So if you want to get every finger, you got to do be, one yeah. at a time. Yeah. So like, TK TK just starts doing one at a time with his fingers and looks at uh, Lash and says, "Come here," and gives her the iris scanner and then. After he's done with the finger, starts. Just this wanding. will all be deleted after the miniature is made. Yes. DK yeah, looks- absolutely. What, what actually? What what uh, Barney's going to be able to do while we're while we're doing this, and, and Lux is doing this to distract him a little bit, is he's going to be able to show you a virtual recreation of what it's going to look like. And you have a little environment that you do these. Yeah, in. TK, they're, TK they're, is already he's already ported the data over. Yeah. There are many uh, there are many little different critter things, but you could put this. You know, when you get the actual mini rep, you could put it anywhere. Uh, yeah, you want to show him Barney? Yeah. So Salix, looking sort of like uh, like a child being ushered through a theme park, has. <laughs> this look of wonderment on his face but also like bewilderment he's a little unsure of what's happening yeah. but like is going along with it it's like it's like uh it's it's like tk's a, a a very good tailor and it's just like doing measurements and shit this is while lux is sort of you know pattering okay you finish the finish the, the hand the hand take out the wand start doing the wand okay and is lash with the eyes yeah i was gonna yeah but i mean we could just do it i could just do it Okay, so the and wand the wand will take, yeah, it takes basically as long as it takes to mm-hmm. cover every inch of him, like pass the wand in front of every inch of him, which mm-hmm. he's a big guy, and you actually have to jump to get, you know, the top sure. of his head and stuff. Yeah. Um, so this takes, you know, this takes probably 40 to 45 seconds. Yes. And then TK says, look here, and holds up the thing for the iris, and pauses, and thank you, uh, and just goes, just goes into the matrix and you see him like look away okay while he is doing data stuff Vern looks like a, a little overwhelmed but he hasn't said anything he hasn't resisted in any mm-hmm. way so I think I think you know because it's a pre-rendered thing and we it's just uploading a model a 3d model that has all of the components in it it doesn't take that long and I don't know how do, should I just project it or something you could send it to do, his com yeah, yeah. but do, do comlinks no but because okay. i don't want to use uh, oh, okay, okay. Or this, do comlinks have a project like do we have projectors in them can we project things in the i can just put it in ar <laughs> yeah 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 i was like wait put a second <laughs> wait a second here so tk uh drop makes a an an arrow uh and uh drops the whole scenario in the arrow and can you just really briefly explain what an arrow is yeah for sure um so an arrow is spelled a-r-o and it is stands for augmented reality object which basically means it's like a it's a virtual indicator that is trivial to make everyone can sort of see them it's kind of like like you know how in cyberpunk there's like graffiti everywhere and it's like glowing and cyber like neon signs over every building then you take your glasses off they're gone Exactly. That's what it is. Um, but this one, the one that you're making for Vern is bigger than like a bounded little sign. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wanted to do it in, I guess TK wanted to do it in AR because then Vern wouldn't have to go into VR to like explore it and, you know, potentially be like, or potentially feel unsafe because in VR you don't actually see the outside world. AR is augmented reality. So you see sort of all of the floating objects and whatever in your heads up display. So yeah. So basically he's just like, throwing this thing out in the middle of the room and it's expanding to fill the room. It's kind of like Minecraft Earth. All right. I dig it. Yeah. Minecraft Vern. (laughs) 
what Salix sees unfold in front of him in his AR display is a forest environment that looks like an older trid. It looks like it was something that he would have watched maybe, you know, when he was younger. And it has this sort of like old rendering style that actually is weirdly nostalgic. Mm -hmm. And in it, uh, he sees at a distance a rather convincing life-size, which is to say... Scale. Giant version of himself like you know it is him and he's sitting next to he's standing next to a a tiny hut he is a little a little impressed at how well the scale works and like yes that is how big he would be this is exactly how big i would be (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's mostly what this scan shows uh this little ar thing shows we try to be be. we try to be accurate so yeah when you when you said you're going to put it in ar or he probably assumed you would he took out from his like uh, breast pocket these little pince-nez ar like they're, and then they're just tiny on his enormous head and he was just they were just sort of just sitting on the bridge of his nose like human-sized pince-nez glasses and he's looking at them <laughs> and he says ah oh, yes that's about the size i would be mm-hmm. and he takes the glasses off um puts them back in his pocket and he says could you also do like sheep a goat. We have sheep. Little, we... Like a little goat herder. Yeah, we have sheep. We don't have a goat do you herder. Want, do you want to be a goat herder? I don't want to be a goat herder. I'm just curious about what other creatures. We we already have sheep uh, at the office. We can, we'd be happy to send you a few sheep. Yeah. Why don't yeah. I come by and pick some up yeah. later this week? Sure, that'd be great. Yeah. And what, um, what precinct of the critter division... I assume you all work together. Yeah, um, we don't actually have uh, precincts because it's it doesn't need to be that hyper local. Um, but we're just Mountain West uh, of New York. It's a state uh, department. Yeah. Who is your um, shop steward? Oh, shop steward. Oh God, um, uh, Barney. Um, uh, actually, his best friend uh, just got uh, a, a promotion. Um, so he is actually the shop. Uh, the 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 the, the, the steward. <laughs> That is not how you knew <laughs> You see his shoulders slump. And yeah. the hope that he had found something lovely and wonderful and beautiful just randomly and coincidentally in this world, uh, that little spark in his in his in his posture just sort of goes out. Mm-hmm. And he sort of assumes that like tired, hulking presence that you've seen mm-hmm. when you exit his apartment and every other time you've been spying on him. He says, Are you armed? What? Do you have guns? No. What are you talking about? He who's the clo- who's the physically closest to him? It would probably be TK. Yeah. He reaches out and he grabs your neck. Oh no. Uh, uh, okay. And he says, "Are there any more of you? Any more of us? What are you talking about? I'm sorry. What did you do something, Barney? Oh, you had to stop the strike. What strike? You're going to stop oh, the strike. Oh, the strike. You took uh, pictures of me. No. You're going to place them somewhere. No. You're going to make me look like a bad man. I think it's time to to fight. I think he starts <laughs> squeezing TK's neck. Yeah. Uh, TK is struggling because uh, this guy's huge, but um... you have no idea what you are meddling with. Hmm. What are we meddling with? Uh, TK shoots his. No, his, no, no. no. Whatever they are paying you, it's not worth it. Um, mm-hmm. He has a he has a look of it's like a cross between you know like they say when you draw a cartoon uh, the way to draw a cartoon. Um, to look like mentally unhinged mm-hmm. is to just combine two different emotional states in one face. So like you draw tired eyes with a happy mouth or something. Mm-hmm. His face is a combination of extreme tired, f- fear, and earnestness. Like he means it. 
he is tired of dealing with whatever it is and is afraid at what's going to happen next. TK uh, takes the opportunity to shoot the socks out of his arm like a t-shirt cannon <laughs> at his face. They hit Salix underneath his chin. Hmm. <laughs> and then we just... <laughs> <laughs> I just start laughing. Solix, uh, Vern takes the fact that you just shot socks at him to mean that you probably are not armed, and uh, he uh, he drops you and says, "I'm I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Please, I'm begging you. Whatever you're doing, stop." Okay, explain why. What do you care if we strike? Are you? This is not. This is not. I'm this sorry. is not your problem. I'm sorry. Are you an actual union? Union strike, unions work together. What do you care? We heard you were a really bad guy. I'm a normal guy, just like anybody else. What did else. you have to do with these disappearance of these uh, these corporate citizens? What? What did you have to do with the disappearance of the corporate citizens? This is not my department. It's not your department? I don't, I barely know about what you're talking. Why is the police department uh, striking? This is complicated. Uh-huh. We are going to strike because the city has not given us a... And you can see he sort of forgets the company line. Mm -hmm. Like, he forgets the reason that he's striking, and he just sort of trails off. You just, you forgot why you're striking? Salix starts to explain why the union is striking, Mm -hmm. and you can tell that his answer is, like, canned. Like, he said it a thousand times, Mm -hmm. he's got it down pat, nails all the intonation, but, like, gets ten words in and then just stops. If you stop this from happening, many, many people will be harmed. I think you could also roll willpower Okay. to tell someone, anyone, what's actually happening. Oh, because that's you, good. That's fun. Because yeah. you, you have not been able to. You have yeah. not been able to say to anybody what is actually going yeah. on. And you're in an empty hallway <laughs> in a secure location. You dismissed your security. You don't know who these people are. Maybe you don't even give a shit who they are. But I, but I think that like. I mean, you can decide. You can yeah, decide what. I don't he, think he needs to roll willpower. I, I, yeah. You think he would just feel that way? Let me try this. Okay. <clears throat> and is this is this the go sign? Is that? Well, this was gonna be him. Okay. All right. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, but I guess we'll wait for a second. Okay. Um. Uh, uh. Uh. I don't know who hired you. Whoever did it, they're assuming that they're going to strike and that they're going to lose their security. This is correct. Yes. I can't say anything yet. Keep going. <laughs> But that's exactly right. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the case. Okay. Everything will be fine. The strike is not really about the pay. So the strike isn't about pay. What is it really about? (sighs) Part of our union contract is that we are contracted to Evo. Mm -hmm. They are the sole vendor for the health care of everyone in the union. Six months ago, sick cops go into Evo. They come out. Is that different? What? Is that doing something? And that's why you're striking? Experiments, research. Has this changed the behavior of the officers? They're not themselves. Just one second, sir. We're, <laughs> I mean, we're, not to put too fine a hair on this, but TikTok. Right, I understand. Because we're not getting paid dick for this. And if people are going to get hurt so that I can make a couple of thousand dollars, I'm out. So if you guys want to do it and send the data, that's fine, but... I, I don't, I, I, this seems more complicated than I thought it was. TK's picking up his socks. Yeah, listen, I mean, I just want to th- think about our safety, of course. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, say, we don't, what kind of leverage do we have, like, to make sure we don't get hurt? We could give him the details of the Johnson. I think we should wait a day. Wait a day. Let's see what happens. 
wait a day past the deadline. I don't know how we get out of here unless we work with them to maybe get to the Johnson, though. Unless we beat the crap out of this giant troll with no... Um, not an option. No, yeah. not an it's option. It's pretty tough. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But I just want to make sure we're, we're not giving ourselves a sour deal. I mean, if we're going to just get shot... Why don't we uh, come out of here? Why don't we try and why don't we try and talk to him? Why don't we get out of here and meet meet with him later? Okay, Viv, what do you in think? In a different location. I think that's a good idea. As you turn around, yes. uh, As you break up your huddle, yeah. you turn around and Salix is standing there, politely waiting. Yeah. Giant, important man, and he's got his hand up and his mouth open, and he starts talking. Why don't you come work for the union? Um. You hear a very loud sound of, like, glass breaking, like a giant pane of glass has just been smashed. And you actually then hear a number of gunshots. You hear loud shotgun fire. Salix immediately cowers. He crouches down. It's the smallest you've ever seen him. He's about as tall as TK now. And he puts his arms immediately over his head. The Shiza! The lights in the hallway first dim and then turn to a dull red, and you hear every door around you lock, and a bright red readout um, on the top of them says, locked. You look down the hallway in the direction that Salex gestured when you entered in, you see that there is one door that has um, a green open sign above it. But as you're looking around, you hear more gunfire, you hear more glass being shattered. You start to hear doors being slammed. You start to hear all kinds of just commotion. You hear furniture being toppled. You hear people screaming. You hear an increasing commotion as it sounds like the riot has broken past the line of riot cops in the front of the Javits Bloomberg Center and has made its way in to the conference itself. It's as good a cue as any to get out of here. Viv looks towards the door that the security guards had gone through, that's locked, right? That is locked. The direction that they went is closed. The direction that they went is towards the back of the building. You are facing towards the front of the building, and that is where the unlocked door is. You're a good number of paces away from it. You know, it would take you maybe a minute to walk to it, but you hear people coming and going through it, and every time the door opens slightly, you get just a fresh burst of crashing sounds, people shouting, gunfire. Salix is seemingly terrified. He is cowering and shaking. Uh, is there any way we can break through the door in the back? Where is, where is, is there a way you guys can hack it? Or is it too, is it like the NYPD whole system that you'd have? To? Yeah. So what, I mean, do we, we what, do we, what do we have to do right now? We want to we get out through which door? I'm thinking the locked door because the open door is where all the violence is happening. Right. So we want to get through the locked door? Yeah. Why don't I just try to pop a tear that door open? We could also maybe just punch it until it opens. Just we a can, thought. We can try. Come with us, Mr. Salix. We've got some people who have some really good ideas about how to get out of the door. <laughs> uh, TK calls Henley to the back entrance. Okay. Salix, uh, Vern begins like fiddling with his giant wristwatch. Part of it kind of comes off, and there is a very small red rubber button buried in the machinery of this thing, and he begins jamming it with his finger in whimpering. Looking in the matrix, looking in AR, you guys can't see anything, any obvious connection point for the locked doors. That doesn't mean you can't find something, but I think the other thing that is likely the case is that the on the other side of every door is violence. I mean, we could probably fight our way out. I mean, it's it's hundreds of protests. 
I think we should try to find a clear exit so we don't have to fight through the protesters. Right, but they're in the front and they weren't in the back. So if we go where they weren't, then... We do have one more service. <laughs> which includes confusion. Oh, I thought you were going to say take out a wall. With yeah, the- I don't <laughs> think I mean, we confuse the whole crowd. We got to go out the back. Like you said, you have the car in the back. They're coming through the front. As you send the call to Henley the Bentley to bring you around and you're talking about which way to leave, the door that you walked through just bursts open and um, on the other side of it are the two security personnel that Solix dismissed. They have their guns drawn um, and they enter through the door in like standard breaching procedure. Um, It's actually very impressive to see, very terrifying and like a little weird because it's just two of them and it's just you and then there's Solix this giant horned troll, this important bureaucrat, quaking, whimpering, pushing violently on his on his watch button. And as if they've been warned that this is a thing that they might expect, they both uh, flank either side of Solix, put their arms underneath his, and try their best to hoist him up and pull him out through that door. They are successful. It's just slow going. Uh, and he's a big man. And uh, this is not a troll-sized door. So it's a little complicated. But they're slowly making their way through. So you guys have a secondary exit. Should we go through that door? We yeah. should probably follow them. Yeah, we're going to follow them. As you guys enter the meeting room, you hear more clearly what's happening. And it's just, it's more of the same. It's like a lot of screaming, a lot of shouting. You see all of the uniformed and plain clothes, both police officers and vendors, um, people who were just um, participants in the various things that were happening at the conference in total battle with all kinds of citizens. It's people with mohawks and leather jackets and lots of tattoos, but then also just people in sweatpants and t-shirts with signs. Um, There's someone running around with red spray paint who's just spray painting red lines on every person that looks anything remotely like a police officer and shouting, everything must go, everything is on sale. And you see them get tackled by someone. In this commotion, hundreds of people fighting one another just completely going at it, you see pretty much directly in front of you um, as if he was waiting for you, Cairn, the guy that you saw, that you met when you entered the building, motionless in a sea of battling protesters and police officers, surrounded on both sides by two security cops, both of whom have automatic pistols. Could everybody please roll initiative? It's about to get real.
What does Karen do? Karen doesn't raise his hands. He is mumbling something under his breath. His lips are barely moving. His eyes are looking very intently uh, across the room right at Viv, and he casts Chaos. <clears throat> he tries to send a bunch of illusory, confusing, chaotic images right into Viv's mind. And Viv, you got to resist some illusion. Three hits, no glitch. Ah, I got five, so that's two net hits. Uh, for each net hit on the spellcasting test, the target, you, suffers a negative one dice pool modifier to all tests due to the distraction. Karen, what does Viv see? Karen magnifies the chaos that's already in the room. So Viv is going to see objects flying at her head. She's going to see strangers like running toward her and diving at her. He magnifies the riot in the mind. So Jen, if you could please play Viv as though the riot is like 10 times worse than it actually is. Viv is generally unfazed by anything attacking her, really. But when she is in battle mode, she needs calm, which is why she meditates all the time and takes TK out on dinghies out into the middle of the ocean. She really needs calm to concentrate. And there is just too much stuff flying at her. And she's a little bothered. And so she she sort of stumbles forward, even though there is nothing in front of her. Viv, Viv, normally so, like... Calm, cool, and collected. Um, also, like, probably knows it's magic, but, like, can't do anything about it. Not yet, at least. Agatha? Yeah. <laughs> Agatha? Uh... There is a small black room, and the only light in the room is from the sort of infinity of blinking uh, status, uh, little LED screens and things like that, and uh, the light from a command console lighting the face of... Um, a, a, a young woman hacker, a human woman hacker in a black cat suit with uh, black hair sort of draped in front of her face. And she's the only person in the room uh, and she's absolutely blasting early 21st century black Nordic death metal. And the whole room is rocking back and forth as the tides of protesters and cops push past it outside. She's like, she kind of looks like the girl from The Ring. Uh, Kamiko from The Boys? I don't know. I just watched it. Yeah, sure, sure. Now, in the same way that the event hired extra security in the form of the magic-using cairn, they've also hired spiders. These are professional white hat, I'm using heavy quotes there, white hat hackers that come in and keep an eye on the local network for suspicious activity. And they look at everyone. But Cairn, her partner, told Agatha after he met you guys, that you might be worth keeping an eye on. And when Karen and Agatha saw you via the security system have the altercation with Vern in the back hallways, you became suspects number one. Now, Agatha has been getting marks on everyone. Marks to a Decker are like a foot in the door. They're like little passageways, little weaknesses they find in your code and they keep them. Agatha's been getting them on everyone, and she got two on you, TK. And the more feet she has in your door, the bigger the data spike she can shove in your back door. <laughs> too many, is that too much metaphor? That's a lot of that's um, heavy booty jokes. She hits the button, data spike, go. <laughs> what does it, does the data, if if uh, TK were in VR, would the data spike have a particularly like Nordic black metal look to it? Yeah, the data spike definitely would like a giant black thorn falling out of the sky, falling directly down and going right for your skull. Uh, so TK, you are going to roll to resist and roll firewall plus intuition. Three hits. Uh, you are going to take 
two matrix damage. <laughs> uh, so to describe what matrix damage is, um, which I think I don't think that we've run into this yet. Matrix damage. So in addition to stun and physical damage, this is the damage that is done to pieces of gear. Uh, so in this case, it is TK's cyber deck, which is the thing that he uses to be a technological bad boy. It is what you need. <laughs> <laughs> technological bad boy. I like that. It's uh, what you need in order to break laws on the matrix. It's a little you, computer. What you need to be elite hacksaw, and it's in your arm, right? Yeah. And what matrix damage is, is it It kind of overloads the circuits on pieces of gear, and it causes sparks and smoke, and in really bad situations, things might catch on fire. And if something takes a lot of matrix damage, it gets, it's called bricked, and then you have to spend a bunch of hours repairing it in order for it to work again. Yeah. Exactly. But in this case, you only take two, so you're all right. Yeah, yeah. But he's still kind of pissed. I mean, I would be too. He's, he's just you mad. need that he's, thing to do your job. He's also just mad at himself for not checking. Trusting the police. <laughs> it's the Nuggles. <laughs> oh, this is gonna. Oh, baby. Oh, single baby, Nuggle. He's Single yeah, Nuggle. The Nuggle had been uh, disguised as droplets in uh, Viv's very, very long hair and slowly drips to the ground. And it's sort of as a puddle, it starts moving toward Cairn as it gets closer, like a shark fin. Uh, you see, you start to see the mane of a horse. It makes its way up out of the surface of the floor and is a bigger horse. It is a force for water spirit and uh, grows significantly, probably four or five feet. It was, you know, it was about knee length before, and now it's pretty large, like almost a pony. And it's trotting directly at Cairn. And it's just sort of a one horse, humped horse stampede. The horse is You're gonna tra- body check Karen? Is that yes. okay? I All think right. you mean trample. It's not a body check when it's a horse. Fair. <laughs> yeah, it attempts to run directly at Karen at full speed. Mm. And it instead of a feeling like a, a horse, it's more like a wave hitting him in the chest. Alright. Nuggle! That's what he stammers. So Karen's gonna roll reaction plus intuition, and the nuggle will roll. It's unarmed combat, basically. Yep, correct. I got four hits, no glitch. Two. So Karen uh, is going to get hit and is going to have to roll body. Oh, no. His little body. <laughs> um, roll roll bo- body, body plus body. armor. I will never forgive you if you kill him before I get to hit him. <laughs> uh, he takes six damage. So upon impact, the head of the Nuggle hits his chest, but sort of like putty, the force of the running horse starts to hit him like a wall of water. Every molecule of air is knocked out of Cairn's lungs, and you hear it exit his body almost like a gunshot. (laughs) His eyes roll back in his head, and he's gasping for breath on his knees. And the water starts to gather and drip away. Um, moving behind him. Next is Lash. Okay, first thing, like a simple action or a free action I'm going to do is rip my comlink and AR glasses off just to get those out of the way. It's like, you know when you've been walking around all day in like a pair of heavy boots? Do you ever have this? Like, and then you finally get home and you get to take your boots off and you're like, yeah. I feel like I weigh 15 pounds less. I think for women it's like, when you're wearing a bra with underwire and you just take that bra off. So I was gonna, I was thinking about saying that, <laughs> which is, you know, it's not yeah. something I know personally, so I didn't feel it was my place to make the comparison. If you're a person who wears a bra, you know the feeling. That's what it, that's what it feels like. So she makes a big, ah, 
So where we're standing now, we're like basically at the front of the convention center, are we not? You're within sight uh, down a long hallway of where you entered, but mm-hmm. you know you had to sort of wind your way through the expo floor and a couple other hallways to get where you are. If you wanted to go back to your entry point, it would probably be a five, ten minute walk. You're more towards the rear where you were going to head in order to uh, get in Henley the Bentley. Is it a fully closed room? Is there a window? You are in a kind of recessed uh, hallway. It's almost like you're in um like you're in You're below ground level, Uh um, and it's very open and tall above you, and you can see some of the windows of the Javits Center start Uh maybe like 20, 25 feet up the wall in front of you. So you can see, you can look up, and you can look out, and you can see daylight, but what's directly in front of you is a a bunch of people running around, um, a bunch of commotion, a bunch of toppled over conference furniture, and a concrete wall. And where is Karen in them? He's directly in front of you, probably like, I don't know, 10 feet away? Uh, the two men with guns. Can I see any icons on those guns? Are they are they on the Matrix? Yeah, you can see that they both have smart systems on their guns, uh, which means that their guns are connected to their comlinks and that they use their personal technology to change firing modes and to help aim. Um, I don't know. Probably there are some games on there. Uh, you know, there's nothing you can't put Snake on. But yeah, if you want to try to mess with basically the computer system on their guns... They have those. So I think I want to mess with these guns. So I think I'm going to use some resonance and try to puppeteer one of these guns. And so puppeteer is your special technomancer skill where you can basically just bend the fabric of the matrix and just make things do what you want. Right. Without getting a mark on a device or anything, I can just kind of control a device in one action. And do you know what you want to do or are you going to see how... Well... Puppeteer is complicated in terms of I have to take a lot of fade after I do it. So let's see how many. And I need a lot of hits to actually do action. So let's see. Let's see how I roll. Okay. I'll let you roll and then decide what you want to do. Five hits. Okay. You got two net hits, which means you can force the technology to take a simple action. Um, okay. So when when does TK go? He, in initiative order, he is next. Okay. I think I know what I'm going to do. Are you guys going to do a one-two punch? Yes. Okay. I think I'm going to invite a mark. You're going to make the device, like... Open to marks. Ask for my marks? Exactly. I, basically, I'm going to make this device ask for it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Ooh. Jeez. Dinner and a movie. <laughs> a show, sorry. Dinner and a show. <laughs> this device is going to want it. It's going to want uh, someone else to uh, try to control it. So that's what I'm going to do. So you're basically going to ask... You're going to have this guy's gun... You're going to, do you know which guy it is? One of the guys. Uh, yeah, the guy, the guy, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know the guy. Yeah, you know the guy. We know the guy. (laughs) I don't Uh, even need to tell TK the guy. He just knows. I mean, you point and I'm like, yeah, that guy. guy." Yeah. (laughs) So you're going to have that guy's gun invite TK to give it the number of marks such that he would essentially be its owner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see what he does. Yes, exactly. All right. Tell me, what, what does this look like in the Matrix? Like, what what are you doing, and how does the gun change? If you were in VR, it looks like she's, uh, like, cobbling together code and kind of directing it directly at um, the piece of technology that she wants to control. Um, and then this 
and this is kind of like a it's not oh, it's not a huge uh, display of uh, kind of energy and code co- going towards it. It's just like a slight one as she's just kind of like opening a door. It's like tossing a ping pong ball. Yeah, it's very light. It's not like a it's yeah. not anything Viv would uh, pull out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a gentle. Uh, hey man, sort of just blow, just like blowing a bubble at it. Just yeah, it's just kind of suggesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah TK's picking up what it's putting down. <laughs> And then, yeah, I mean, once you have control over it, you could ha- lock it, whatever, make it. Make it only play Snake. Yeah, make it shoot out ping pong balls. I'm going to install Doom on it. Yeah. <laughs> you can, I hear you can install Doom on anything. <laughs> That's all it does. Big moon. It's very strange to think about a gun that can play Doom. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think yeah, I like. I don't think I like that. That's thought. cyberpunk, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's alarming. Yeah, that's truly cyberpunk. Oh, uh, we are oh probably very close to that future. I don't want to think about it. Let's stop then. It's TK's turn. <laughs> Since uh, Lash invited three marks, I'll place three on that gun, and I guess my complex action would be to format the device. Okay which uh, rewrites the boot code, which I assume means it makes it unusable. If you want to just basically make it so that it doesn't turn on anymore, um, you know, and, like, this guy's going to have to monkey with it to see if he can figure out how to turn his smart gun back into he, just, like, a normal gun. Factory yeah. settings. Yeah. He's going to have to get a toothpick and push it through <laughs> the tiny hole in the back of the gun. Is that a is that a uh, an extended test? Um, <laughs> yeah, for him, yeah, he's going to have to go find a pen that's got the nib is long enough and sticks far enough out yeah. from the, yeah. I just imagine him walking into the riot and be like, does does anyone have a clothespin on them? <laughs> um, you are you are very successful. He's looking through the sight on his gun, ain't trying to aim it at you, and he gets this confused look on his face and like sort of whacks the screen mm-hmm. readout a little bit and shakes it and looks very frustrated. Mm-hmm. He he is next, and he is going to spend his turn doing that. And there's another guy with his gun drawn at us. Yes, hmm. Lux, you're next. Damn. Um. <laughs> You're too confused with chaos to go, Viv. <laughs> uh, Lux uh, does use the free action to see if Vern is still in the building. You do not see Vern anywhere. So Vern and his security detail have left the building. Conceiv- conceivably, yeah. 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 Okay. Lux tries to call Vern on the on his comlink. Vern gave us an offer to, to for us to work with him. I'm going to try to at least put up the thing and say, "Look, I'm calling in. I'm calling in Department Resource. If 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 you want us to work with you, you got security detail right now. Let them get you safe and, and bring them back. That's what I'm going to try to do. It might not work. Uh, you get a um, out of office message. So Lux hides. <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. Hides you can still run. Behind. Yeah. You can Lux, still Lux run. Lux hides behind something uh, strong looking. <laughs> There's a like a you know a bunch of tilted over tables and stuff. Well, why don't you look for a gun? I could look around for a gun. You know, there's uh, there's no gun. You, okay. Yeah, you see, you see, the, the two guys in front of you have guns. You can throw things. <laughs> but like, how how are we at a security conference with no guns? It is a notable and established factor of the setting that guns are <laughs> extremely rare. Right. Mm. I mean, the riot police probably have some. Yeah, yeah they're, I, I, they're, I, mean, I mean, you can hear like distant uh, the like the so shotgun fire. It's, it's all far away. Yeah, that's, like, there, that's outside. Yeah. The, so there's no riot gear anywhere around. The riot shield, anything like that around. I would say yeah, there's probably a riot okay. shield nearby if you want to pick up a riot. Pick shield. up a riot shield and uh, protect myself. And who am I right by? You tell me. 
imagine that I came in one of the last. So maybe I see that Viv is having a real hard time and I'm trying to protect myself and uh, and Viv with the riot shield. As you pick up the riot shield, like you get tossed and jostled around yeah. a little bit and, you know, you have to fight someone off for it. Yeah. Uh, but you you manage just barely through just it's that pretty face. They didn't they didn't want a socky one. So they just let you have it. Thank you, sir. Like this guy needs it. Look at that. Look at those beautiful cheekbones. The other guy with the working pistol um, is just going to try to take a shot off at. It's probably going to be at Viv. Sorry, Viv. Man. They get guns. Uh, Viv, your reaction plus your intuition minus two. Does my riot shield offer anything to her armor or. When we roll to. Yeah. Four hits. (laughs) He got one hit. <laughs> he levels his gun, he holds it up, and you see you see his eyes flit back and forth, and then you see him reach into his jacket and pull out his comm link and like push some buttons, and then he looks at the gun, and then he puts the comm link back, and then he taps at the <laughs> at the readout a little bit, and he just continues to do this for a little while and doesn't actually get a shot off. <laughs> For, for the record, that would be the most humiliating way to die. The guy taps on his touchscreen before shooting you in the face. <laughs> Next is Viv. Viv is quite spooked about the gun. Like, you should probably cook that guy from the inside. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, FYI. The riot in her mind is really starting to affect her, and um, she actually trips and falls on the ground. And you can see that her captain is is fading from the br- brilliant blue that it has been this whole time to sort of like... Like a very light, like blue sky, and she audibly starts crying. She takes a huge inhale and casts Power Bolt directly at Karen at a force of six. Whoa! <laughs> Instead of the guy with the gun, damn. Well, How do I oppose? Nice choice of spell. You roll body. Glatch. No way, really? I glatched. She glatched. Oh, hell yes. Is it your top one? Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, you, you definitely did. Uh, I maybe was it? Do you think because he got wet and because his <laughs> breath got knocked out that his first instinct, like when people get, you know, like his first instinct was to just like, <gasps> like try and get his armor off so he can breathe better. And right when he does, so we've got five hits, no glitch. I'm gonna say because he glitched, it only does four damage. So you don't kill him. Mm-hmm. He he has. He already, oh, no. has, he already has damage. He had already taken six physical damage. And what's his total damage track? Nine. Oh, okay. Hey. Let us know what happens to Karen Holbrook. I'm ready. I'm. I've been waiting for this. Jeez, you, Viv, you, you can, you're killing all these Viv evil is men. So powerful. <laughs> Karen like, wasn't evil. He was evil. He was evil. He was a fascist. Or like doing one little thing. We're like, oop, we flicked a guy. Oop, we flicked another guy. And Viv is like, <sighs> just destroys three people in one swoop. She was having a little bit of a mental moment. She's on the ground. Her caftan is faded. But as she looks up at Karen, she has immediate line of sight on him. The blue starts to move in a wave from the hem of her caftan up to her head. And she just screams like spittle, like coming out of her. She's so angry. She just screams in the direction of Cairn. And Power Bolt is a single target microwave. It cooks people from the inside. Cairn, who is very slight of stature, his knees start to buckle 
you see that there's a ripple or bubbling happening in his torso area. (laughs) (laughs) And his hair starts to fry. Oh, it smells terrible. Or does it? Okay. (laughs) Or does it? Because as the power bolt hits his body, he counterspells. Shut the fuck up. All right. I glitched. No (laughs) way. Oh. No way. No way. Well, rip that guy. Oh, my God. I love it. I'm looking up at the universe, and I'm saying, can he please get fucked now? (laughs) He hasn't even really done anything to y'all. But he He tried. He just even looked at us. He He hurt our Viv and forget about it. He just made her confused a little bit. You hurt her. He's fucked. You know. You made her cry. Your house burned to the ground. Your family set on fire. Karen's once red mop of hair becomes a a crown of flame as his entire body is melted from the inside. Cool. (laughs) Those are his eyeballs. Oh, no! Ejecting out of their sockets like a bean out of a bowl of chili in my microwave. Oh, God. I stuck to the roof. Someone's going to have to wipe that down with a wet paper towel in about six months, Um, which is how often I clean my microwave. (laughs) What is the guy with trying to work the gun next to this dude? He's busy. (laughs) Everyone should have to roll for barf. Yeah, seriously. Um, I mean, so I was going to say, I think, so everybody around you is horrified and where this was at one point a throughway full of protesters and counter protesters police and plainclothes expo attendees as soon as viv lets go this shriek and this powerful force cooks this man from the inside who everybody sees him just try to like muster everything he can to counteract the inexplicable force that is baking him from the inside out and then he just goes limp his head bursts into flames and he collapses to the ground people stop running around everybody just sort of pauses for a moment everybody takes a step back and then just runs away (laughs) and over the next couple seconds uh, including the two guys who have been trying to futz with their guns everybody's gone everybody just books it because that's gross, y'all. Uh, my... Weren't people getting shot outside? <laughs> yeah, with like rubber bullets. People are used to that kind of violence. Okay. Seeing a man bake from the inside, that's different. <laughs> my favorite thing also is that this man, as far as he knew, Viv was just like a magic user, like a light magic user that like works for the critter department. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just like, what? And, and then, then you cooked his body. <laughs> And also, why was he after us? Guess we'll never know. <laughs> um, if you want to know some of his background, we can tell you. This would be for, like, your characters wouldn't know this. Mm. But as players, if you guys want to know what his deal was, I'm happy to tell you. And you, to be clear, you have not earned it. This is because Mike <laughs> and I are generous, benevolent oh, gods. because you mean you did all the work and you don't want it to go to waste? Because uh, he got melted? <laughs> Immediately. 
immediately. Sorry. I would, I would say that it's just not satisfying to not know, yeah. to just have him uh, blow away in the wind, as it, would it were. It would be so funny if every character we ever met, Viv just melted in like one turn, and it's just like, we'll never know what that was. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to say that I'm not not worried about that being the case. Yeah. Well, goodbye, Taylor's great Christian Slater accent. You'll never see it again except in hell. (laughs) Season two, baby. (laughs) Ooh. Uh, So Karen's deal is that he is a type of mage that you guys would be familiar with. And this is it. He is a detection mage. Um, And so detection mages come with a kind of, or not come with, they tend to have a standard complement of skills and spells. And these are things like detect enemies, detect individual, which allows you to detect the presence of a person that you've met before or know about, detect magic, which is, you know, determining whether or not a person or an object is magical, Claire audience, clairvoyance, they can listen from a distance, they can see things from a distance. And he's also like a very very skilled ascensor. Like if Lux had done a judge intentions on him, or if Viv had gotten, uh, had done an ascense of him, you might have picked up on some of these things, and you might have sort of figured out you know, even though he was hesitant to give you details, what his deal was. I think I also learned something that like he was probably slightly more mysterious than he needed to be because I assumed that you guys would do those things. I figured if we put a weird, skinny, baby faced <laughs> creepo in front of you, you would be like, yo, well, what's this guy's deal? Yes, you didn't make him creepy enough. <laughs> well, in your defense, Mike, the only people in the real world that just come up and tell you their whole deal, their whole deal are people trying to get you to sign forms on the street <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and religious nuts. Which, I mean, you know, he's he's not too far off. Yeah, he, he's got literature <laughs> that he'd like for you to read. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's kind of like a magic fascist. Uh, he definitely believes that magic users are superior, that eventually magic users should, like, rise up and control everyone. He thinks he, you know, I mean, this guy's got a complicated political ideology, you know, thinks adepts are not true magic users. Which is why he didn't talk to you at all. Hmm. So many things we could have discovered had you wow. not put him in there for two minutes on a uh, 100% power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like D-frost. he needed it. Yeah, needed I'm now hearing the his backstory. I'm glad we fried him from the inside. There was a moment <laughs> where you thought he was a good person. I think we just ignored him as a null person. He wasn't yeah. like. Yeah, I don't think I ever thought he was good. A cab, and I think. <laughs> I mean, a cab. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think the other thing is that I we didn't signal to you enough that he was a bad guy because. Um, I disagree. My Taylor accent disagree. very clearly telegraphed. <laughs> well, no, what I was going to say is that we, I, I think we didn't do enough theater to show you that he's a bad guy because he rolled to sense whether or not you guys were uh, there with, from his perspective, bad intentions. And I rolled for you as to whether or not he was successful. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have done that because if I had forced you to do a very mysterious role for who knows what reason. I have thoughts on this, but I'll save it for. Save it for fun chatty. Fun chatty. Yeah. Um, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Chummer patrons and above get access to a chat show that we do after every episode. It's every other Friday where we talk about what it was like to make the episode and uh, answer questions from our Discord. We'll tell you who everybody who's a fascist on the show. <laughs> we tell you. It's, I mean, so far they've all been melted. So. <laughs> One person has been melted. And they deserved it. Someone so. else got water clapped. Okay. And he okay. didn't, he didn't die, right, though. Fair. He didn't die, though. 
So it doesn't count. Josh, good politics. <laughs> Very big on solidarity, Wait, leftist. So are you saying just that, a shitty Marxist? Are you saying yeah, that they, he's just a bad guy? Are you saying that they only die if they have shitty politics? Uh, no. So far, yes. Through, like, is, is the universe deciding that? Like, so there is a god, and he consigns you to heaven or hell, and it's Mike. No, the shadow, the universe that we're playing in, like this universe, is unfair. All right, save it for fun chat. Yeah, yeah, fun chatting, fun chatting. Okay. Um, Lux as a uh, purveyor of rare and exotic goods. Um, saunters over, kind of tries to close his nose a little bit and grabs both of his rings from the ground, shakes some of the goo off of them and pockets them. You know that thing that happens um, when you like hold a really powerful magnet and you're like, yeah. I'm not sure if I feel this in my body or if I'm inventing that I feel this in my body because I know it's powerful. Right. Holding those two rings, you get a similar feeling. Yeah. And you can tell because you have a skill in rare objects that these are these are very rare, like handmade ancient pewter rings. Um, but you don't know that much about the stones that are set into them, including that creepy glowing red one. But it's definitely creepy and it's definitely glowing red. Viv stands up and uh, brushes herself off as her caftan starts to turn blue again. And she tries to compose herself and, and wipes her the tears off her face. So we're out of we're out of initiative. You're out of initiative. And Viv, you do the crowd that was once encroaching and claustrophobic and suffocating just in a moment, in the moment that Karen falls to the ground, just completely disappears. It just blinks out of existence. And she just sniffles a little bit. <laughs> are you okay, Viv? Viv, are you feeling okay? I need quiet. Okay. <laughs> you are now leaving Fun City. Thank you for listening. If you want to support the show, get access to ad-free episodes, our Discord, our bi-weekly post-episode chat show, Fun Chatty, and more, head to patreon.com forward slash Fun City Ventures. And of course, thank you immensely to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. A quick word on release schedule for the end of the year. Next week on December 20th, we'll be publishing the Fun Chatty for this episode for Chummer Plus patrons. We're taking December 27th off, but we may have a few small surprises before the end of the year. And episode 9 will be published on January 3rd. Hope everybody has a great end of the year. I'm Bijan Steven, and I am TK. Um, you can find me online at Bijan Steven on Twitter, which is B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, or on Instagram, um, and you should just Google that. I'm Jen De La Vega. I am Viv. You can find me online at Randwitches. That's the word sandwiches, but just replace the S with an R. This is Nick Gersio. I play Lux Scythe. You can find me on Twitter at N-G-U-E-R-S-H. Um, and Instagram at ngercio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O. This is Shannon O'Dell. I play Lash Goodbog. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Shodell, S-H-O-D-E-L-L. This is Taylor Moore, and I play all the bad boys. I'm at Taylor.biz. My name is Mike Rignetta. I am your GM. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rignetta. You can find the show on Twitter at Fun City Ventures. 
Fun City was recorded at Fortunate Horse in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Rignetta. All of the show's music is by Sam Tyndall. Our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kit, and Kestrel. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton. <laughs>